then I traveled through the seven levels of the candy cane forest, past the sea of swirly, twirly gumdrops, and then I walked through the Lincoln Tunnel. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Sensi Brewcast, the voice of Sensi Craft. This is um, an odd experience. It's like we have a really big crowd, but they don't even know we're back here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joined by Scotty Hunter from Urban Artifact because this is the Christmas show, and you guys are the most Christmassy this year and probably for many years to come of any of Cincinnati's breweries. I um, talked about this last week, which was actually yesterday, to great length about this list I'm putting together of all of the uh, Christmas and holiday beers that are around town. And the list under you guys is as big as the list of everybody else combined. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a very intimidating thing to look at, to try to write little descriptions and something about all of them. So, Because um, you guys are doing the 12 Years Christmas. That's correct. Which we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, we've been plagued by a few difficulties as usual technical it, it, technical. it, it, it wouldn't be sensi brewcast without some kind of <laughs> some kind of weird thing that you couldn't predict so we're here we are live and on location christmas beer christmas beer yes so, so well, we, why we label them as holiday beers right, 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 right because we you know we hit a few different uh concepts right you guys have um uh what was the uh you have one hanukkah one don't you Hanukkah inspired, yes. Oh, let me, let me <laughs> um, Actually, Hanukkah, the way it falls this year, I think, is at the very end of December, so it's after it Christmas. Is. Which I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen it um, hit like that before. I don't know how normal that is or how often that happens in the grand scheme of things, but um, I don't know. Growing up in a Jewish with Jewish heritage, I still don't know when Hanukkah falls, <laughs> and I can't explain it to you. <laughs> it just it falls there every year, and you know we celebrate when we celebrate. Um, before we get into the Christmas beers, I guess, I don't know if people can hear it on the mics or not, but in the other room, um, there's the tapping of the, the brew 100 series beer. Um, I don't know. I think they do like what, two of them, uh, a year or something like that. Yeah. So for people that aren't familiar, Cincinnati state has got a brew 100 course and every semester that they have the class, they, uh, team up with a brewery and do a collaboration beer with the class. So, um, this is the third time I believe the class is offered and we were the, uh, the brewery associated this time. Um, I just so happened to have that one in front of me instead of any of the holiday beers. <laughs> so I figured we might as well talk about that one for, um, the, the segment that I always, my favorite segment. From the beer fridge. It's kind of 60% of the reason I do the show is just to drink beer. So, um, this is called Snook. That's that correct. Right? I got it. Yes. Um, do you know the origin of that name? Where is that? The, see, this would be the perfect time for the speakers to be uh, working so that I could <laughs> yell could, at the guy yell for somebody. <laughs> yeah, that actually named it in the class. But um, no, we really did. As It is a full collaboration in the sense that um, Brett and Josh and the brewing team, they really led the class kind of with the 
the restrictions that we put on the type of beers that we produce and made some suggestions to people and they really just took it, the concept and run, ran with it, excuse me, um, and even did a really fantastic job naming the beer. If I could remember where the name stemmed from, um, you'd be even more impressed, but <laughs> just to let you know, it's not easy and they hit it out of the park. So it's a, a sour tropical ale, I think is what it's listed as, is that right? something like that. It's got... Um, Definitely pineapple. Mm-hmm. Um, you said there was some coconut, some yeah, some caramelized coconut, caramelized coconut, and then jasmine. So it's um, super fruity, but then the aroma you get some of that jasmine and some of that kind of floral stuff going on too, kind of in there. Um, when I first tried this, when I walked in, I said, "Oh man, I just wish it was more sour." And you told me that you probably couldn't get it any more sour. But I'm amazed when I drink it; like it's it's, it's definitely there. But I think that that coconut does something to it for me that kind of mellows the the quote unquote sourness out. Um, so sour in in pH, yeah. not necessarily in that slappy in the face kind of sensation. Yeah, and I and I think what that really comes down to is we th- we think of um, you know we think of traditional sours and those are beers that they're going to finish around one point of gravity. Like there's nothing, there's no residual sugars. Brett and Lacto and PDO, whatever might have you in that barrel, has already chewed away literally everything. Whereas, you know, the the modified sour mash that this beer went through, um, you know, we're fermenting with only sack post-boil. So you're not going to get to that level of attenuation that you would in a traditional sour. So even though they might have similar pHs, it's not going to seem maybe as tart as acidic. Right. And I think that's really probably the big distinction. It also has has warmed up a little bit for me as I've been sitting here, and it does come out more um, with the, the tartness as it warms up versus when it was really cold right out of the tap. So that might have played into it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People underestimate how much temperature really impacts your tasting and perception, and even uh, the nose of the beer. Right. Well, it's um, delicious. It's um, kind of a really fun one this time of year because it 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 to me it screams summertime and it kind of you know one of those sitting out in the hot weather and the sunshine drinking it and so it's it's a fun break almost from all of these big hard dark heavy beers that that i tend to gravitate towards this time of year so um it's a nice one to start the day off with yeah and then you know it's kind of funny we did another beer here recently for a uh, wedding and we just called it a tropical sour ale because it was a very very extremely fruity yeast uh, as well as some limes and mangoes and I mean, most people wouldn't think that, you know, that's the thing that you brew in the winter. But at the same time, for us, a lot of people already think that our beers are summer beers. Right. <laughs> so yeah, well, uh, even, you know, some of your some of you know, you, you have a winter goza, which, you know, is kind of an oxymoron in, in the sense of the style and um, it fits. You know, it, it would it would taste as good in summertime sitting outside in the sun drinking it. But it also fits in very perfectly um, in, in the wintertime with the, the, the chocolate and the, the raspberry and all that stuff. So it's good. Um, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break. Let's. Um, I'm going to grab some Christmas beers so that we can talk about Christmas beers. Beers. Um, we'll be right back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Ho, ho, ho. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. The voice of Cincy Craft. No. Shoot your eye out. All right. Can you help us? Hi, Mike Cisneros here with a word about Brewhouse Dog Bones. By now, craft beer fans all over Cincy know the distinctive brown paper sack with a big red bone. 
You've seen it in great breweries like Mount Carmel, Listerman's, Rheingeist, Eight Ball, Braxton, and more. At just five bucks a bag, you know you can't find a more healthful or delicious treat for your best friend made from spent brewery grains, organic eggs, peanut butter, and brown rice flour. But did you know that Brewhouse Dog Bones is an educational program for developmentally disabled teens and young adults? It's available through the New Richmond, Cincinnati Public, Fort Thomas Public, Sycamore, Oak Hills, and many more school districts across Southwest Ohio and Northern Kentucky. For more information on where to find Brewhouse Dog Bones or how to get your developmentally disabled loved one or your school district involved in the Brewhouse Dog Bones program, contact Lisa Graham at area code 513-520-0310 or visit www.brewhousedogbones.com. Give your dog the craft experience with Brewhouse Dog Bones. This is Steve Shaw. This is Eric Bosler. Hi, my name is Gamal Nagy. Hey, y'all. This is Sean Willingham. This is Brett Coleman Baker. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollette. Hi, this is Evan Rouse. Cellar Dweller Craft Beers. Darkness Brewing. Rivertown Brewing Company. Admissible Brew Works. Urban Artifact Brewing. Blank Slate Brewing. Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. In Cincinnati. In Northside. In Hamilton, Ohio. Bellevue, Kentucky. Mar, Ohio. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. Cincy Brewcast. And you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. The voice. The voice. The voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> I look at I look at the Bud Light drinkers out there as a you know a forest to be harvested. They're all out there and, and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't you don't ever hear somebody say, Yeah, I used to drink that craft beer crap. But I, <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You're listening to Cincy Brickcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. I triple dog dare you! Dad, that thing wouldn't fit in our yard. Not going in our yard, Russ. It's going in our living room. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. We're back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. We are now drinking Christmas beer. See how the magic of podcasting works? We go to break and poof, when we come back... Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple so, Christmas spirits. You're going to have to remind me of which ones these are sitting in front of me because we're still um, from the beer fridge, of course. I think that's going to be the majority of the show tonight. <laughs> that's going to be the most of the show. Yeah. So in front can, of you. This one's chocolate kick sled, right? Correct. I can tell that one because it looks like chocolate. Yes. It Yes. It's very chocolatey. Uh, you also have spice cake, which is um, a, it's actually the one that we call a Christmas beer. Um, it's also a variation of Kickslide. Um, and then you have Krampus, which is a smoked sour beer. Um, so Spice Cake is vanilla, lactose, nutmeg, brown sugar, chocolate. Orange. Star anise, Orange. Um, it's basically anything. I cheated. I have notes in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Um, and cinnamon. So that star anise, it's uh, that black licorice flavor that can be a little uh, a little tough for some people. It's very faint. It really just blends in really well with that beer. And again, this is kind of where I was going before with the, the, the darker, kind of heavier beers of, of Christmas. You know, not that this is super heavy or anything like that, but it, it has those, those richer flavors versus the... Um, the Sanook that, that I was drinking just a second ago, you know, it tastes like wintertime versus tasting just kind of like this bright, fresh, airy, fruity thing that I think you guys do so well typically. You know, it's, it, 
it's fun. It's that other side of, of you guys that I always get excited about this time of year. So it's good. The orange comes through really good for me. Yes. Which um, I still don't really understand what about orange is Christmassy. But I know there is some kind of story there about people getting like oranges and stockings or something. I, I, don't, I don't actually know what. Yeah. So I believe it dated back to when, you know, we didn't have the global agricultural system that we have now and it was actually rare to get an orange during winter time so if you're going to get one you would probably get it for christmas because it would be expensive and uh pretty hard to procure if i get them they come in beer evidently <sighs> and that's the way i like them no that's good it um i don't know that i've ever had a i don't know if i've ever had spice cake and is that is that kind of crazy yeah, we wanted to do it like um kind I mean, of, no, like actual spice cake. Like, I don't oh, know if I've, I've never had, had spice cake. No, me neither. No. So I don't know if this is kind of reminiscent of those flavors or not, but um, it's good. Well, it's kind of like we took the concept of kind of like a fruit cake as far as kind of having everything in it. And right. we wanted to do that like spiced version um, of what we think of in terms of fruit cake um, for a holiday beer, Christmas beer. Well, and with with holiday slash Christmas slash wintertime beers, like you get so often people just pack them full of ginger and cinnamon oh, and so like those, ginger. those those same kind of quote unquote winter spices that you just get over and over and over again. So it's so fun to have something like this that it's packed full of spices and packed full of lots of flavors, but it's kind of I don't know, atypical ones than you would typically see. So um, I like that one a lot. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Chocolate kick sled, is that right? Yes, yes, that's correct. So, um, my notes just say winter spice out with chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for people that aren't familiar, our winter spice stout is actually based off of eggnog, so vanilla, lactose, nutmeg, and brown sugar. Um, it's it's kind of for the same reason of there's enough of the cinnamon, ginger, um, clove sort of Christmas beers around, you know, these, there's not a whole lot of innovation there in my opinion. So we wanted something that was definitely unique to the market and doing something based, based off of eggnog, which Brett, one of our owners just absolutely loves eggnog, um, was what we wanted to shoot for. And with this version, there's a heaping amount of chocolate as well. Well, what I find interesting is that in the aroma, I don't get as much chocolate as I get this other kind of, I guess, the eggnogginess of it. Whereas when I taste it, I get that 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 chocolate more. But it's not, it's not like that real strong, like bitter chocolate that you get in a lot of, you know, the the stouts and the porters where people are dousing them with chocolate. This is um, kind of that creamier and um, kind of like a, a milk chocolatey kind of thing that um, it's more of my speed. You know, I. Not that I don't like, you know, big, dark, bitter chocolate, but in, in a drink, I tend to want something creamier and something. Yeah, and, you know, I think a lot of that is is it's real chocolate. So there's, again, no flavorings, extracts used in our beers. And you don't really get those high notes with real chocolate. Um, you definitely get it more so in the flavor. And then with this beer, there's not a ton of, like, dark, roasty malts. Um, there's enough to kind of give it color, but... Uh, it's not going to give you those coffee and chocolate undertones because then you get a lot of bitterness that we really don't want in that beer. Right. Um, so we actually found a new chocolate supplier um, here in the fall time, and I, the name is escaping me, but they do this um, essentially liquefied chocolate. 
Um, so no fat. Where are they out of? I Do don't you know? see. This is where Brett is supposed to be on here and helping me <laughs> with these answers. Um, but it's actually the same chocolate that we use in Slide Rule, our chocolate raspberry goza. It's way easier to handle. Um, I feel like before the chocolate maker, it was like Ohio chocolate or something out of Columbus was what you were using. I don't know if that still is the case or not. It is definitely not. <laughs> Just, Unless I, I'm mixing up breweries. It, mm, we did, yeah, no, we were right. We did uh, work with Ohio chocolate last year. Right. Um, and we've just found a product that's a little bit easier for us to use gotcha. in, in our method, what we do with it. It's, it. it's not a big deal. We'll we'll put it in the show notes. Um, I'm still going to find it. It's good. It, um, it's, again, just very different from any other winter beers, any other, you know, quote-unquote Christmas beers that you, you get around town, and that's kind of, you know, right on par with who you guys are and the kind of the stuff that you guys do. You know, it's different. It's a little little odd, a little strange, but it just kind of makes sense. You know, it just it fits into the, the personality of the place. So, again, another, another hit out of the park. Thank you. Thank you. No, Krampus. Yeah, so... My, my favorite Christmas time character. <laughs> The the intention of the yeah, it's my favorite too. The intention of this beer is to be a sour, smoky beer. Um, so basically we took a kind of oh, tropical sour ale that's it was very acidic, very sour, and did some uh, chipotle peppers to so get that roast kind of smoky spiciness. Um, and actually it came out that it's pretty wow. unoffensive. There is a lot going on there though. It hits in all these different places of your palate, and like it makes you salivate, and then the salivation makes the peppers stronger. And then <laughs> now that's again, I've never tasted a winter beer that tasted <laughs> anything like that before. But you know, when you you pair it with Grampus, you know, it it makes perfect sense. Like it just it fits the theme, it fits the the brewery, it fit. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and, and it's and it, you know that's not even the weirdest one yet because the Christmas pickle this year, instead of just the, being the pickle goza as it was last year, is actually the pickle goza with spruce tips. With spruce tips. Um, I will definitely have to be here when that gets tapped. <laughs> I'm super excited for that. <clears throat> you guys also have um, the mole milkman, which is a breakfast stout, chocolate orange and chipotle. Mm -hmm. uh, Yule log, which is a winter spice stout with maple. Which I'm excited to try. I think that I think maple gets kind of this bum rap. Everybody's expecting these big giant kind of maple flavors, and when it's when it's real maple, you get this other kind of underlying sweetness that is the the big star of it. And I think people think they're going to drink syrup, which is right. Like it's not pancake syrup. It's just not a thing. Like you can totally do that. You can do like a haircut. What's that? You lean your head back, and somebody pours beer in one, and then squirts maple I, syrup in the other. I, that never happened to me. Yeah, you can totally do that though. That's a thing. I feel like it should happen to me. I'm gonna talk to my <laughs> wife tonight. Um, caramel slide rule. That did that one kick already? Yeah, actually, uh, those other two that you mentioned first kicked as well. Oh, they did too. Um, my notes are out of date. All I have kicking so far is Tannenbaum. Yeah. Well, you know, it's. We had a nice, uh, busy weekend, especially with the can launch party, so quite a few things kind of... And I did get to try the caramel slide rule the other day when I was here, and it was, again, delicious. You get that... Um, it was almost like a, the slick kind of 
caramel uh, sensation with the beer that, um, you know, everybody has these super kind of carbonated prickly beers almost, and this one was kind of not not thick and heavy, but at the same time just kind of, you know, that, that mouthfeel is very different than I think a lot of them are, and I, it was, you know, very caramely. It was, it was good. Um, you mentioned the Christmas Pickle, which is one of my favorite beers that's ever been brewed in the history of the world. Um, so that one was Spruce Tips this year. And the regular Pickle Goes, I think, is still on tap right now, too. So That's correct. Um, try that one, too, because it's the, one of the best beers ever brewed in the world. So uh, Chocolate Kick Sled, we talked about that. Peppermint Slide Rule, which I'm interested in to see if it tastes like toothpaste or not. Because anytime somebody mentions peppermint, that's my fears that it's going to taste like toothpaste. But um, that's uh, chocolate raspberry peppermint. So, you know, again, very wintry. Iced cookie, um, another one at the top of my list to try this year. Uh, the Berliner Palo, so I'm guessing Finn with ginger and lemon added to it. So um, an iced cookie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that one really comes out. Um, the I just want to see how they uh, they made up for the kind of bready cookiness, crumbliness mm-hmm. that you'd expect. Because I'm sure there's probably a little bit more to it than just that description, knowing Brett and Josh. Well, like one of my favorite things about Finn is that once you get past that kind of bracing tart side of it, there is like this 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 crackery almost cookie kind of thing with the malt of it that is really hard to find sometimes because of that that tartness and all of the the, the bright fruit from the hops and that kind of stuff but um, be curious to, to, to try that one too so that's it's another one that I'm really looking forward to uh, festival of lights tamarind and vanilla bean lager um, tamarind I, I I couldn't describe that flavor if somebody put a gun to my head yeah, it's a, it's a huge spice as far as Indian, Indian cuisine is concerned. And so whenever you're thinking of Indian food, I think tamarind is usually that, that spice that you're associating with it. They look like little, um, little turds. I've seen them in jungle gyms. They're not, they're not attractive looking. Uh, like, they look like beans, like these big... Less, less attractive vanilla yeah. beans. Let's just put them that way. Yeah. Um, there are no turds in that <laughs> It's not actual turds. It just looks like turds. <laughs> um, dreidel. There's my uh, Jewish-inspired uh, side of it. The, uh, fruit ale with prunes, dried cherries, lemon zest, and dried apples. Yes. So again, kind of a fruit cake of uh, flavors going on there. Um, the prunes throw me off on that one. I can't uh, can't picture it. but Not, not prune juice, though. <laughs> is it... Um, is like a like a darker kind of. Oh, we really went with actually with actually a very light based beer because we wanted yeah. all those fruit flavors to be able to shine through. Huh. So um, as far as color is concerned, it should be kind of more in that amber realm because you'll have the the prunes and you'll have the cherries, kind of giving off a little bit of color to it, but nothing nothing too dark. Right. And then the last one is Krampus, which might be. One of my favorite ones this year so far. Um, it's it's so different. Like I said, that that combination of the 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 pepper from the the chipotle and the 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 tartness, I think, is something that I've never. I can't think of ever trying something similar to that before. You know, it's it's weird. 
It's weird, man. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a similar sentiment I think we get from pretty much all of our pepper beers. And they all go over well. And I think Brett has yet to make one that isn't too spicy, even though he's tried a couple of times. <laughs> so... You can you can head up to the street and get that uh, Toll House uh, caps from Fibonacci <laughs> if you want something that's so spicy it'll take the paint off your car if you pour it on there. That's the intention. Uh, so, you know, to you, what makes something a winter beer? What makes something a holiday beer? Because it's this weird category that kind of... Depending on who you ask, you get these really weird definitions. You know, the BJCP has a real strict guidelines of what a Christmas beer, I think is. I think that's what they actually call it, is a Christmas beer, where it has to have spice in it, and it has to be reminiscent of Christmas cookies. I think it actually has that in the description. Like, it's this real goofy kind of thing that doesn't fit a lot of them. So just, you know, to you guys here, I mean, you've got the whole gamut of stuff here, and they... None of them fit the bill, but all of them fit the bill, especially when you put them all next to each other and you have this big package of the 12 beers of Christmas, you know. Yeah, so Is I think... Is that too big of a question? No, no, no. I think, there's, <laughs> I think there's a couple ways to answer that. I think the traditional sense is that spice. It's, you know... And, and we do our take and other brews do their take, but it's, it's a spice beer, and that's when you really see people readily accepting spice in beers, mm-hmm. even though that it's not that it's not accepted even more so once you get to fall and winter time uh, that's when beers that show up with uh, you know cinnamon nutmeg ginger um, what else everything uh, clove that's when people seem to expect that and accept it uh, I think you know craft beer is growing as as far as the the different styles of beer so much that people are getting more exotic so we'll see those we see those spices even not necessarily those spices but we see spices in beer throughout the year more and more right. every year um, so there's that very traditional sense and I think you you usually look for that kind of higher alcohol warming sensation in those holiday beers so I've, I've been thinking about it a lot this last week of, you know doing the show prep and stuff trying to understand what my definition is and so I was, you know, doing a lot of reading of the history of them and stuff. And, you know, Christmas in general, you know, you get this, this pagan holiday that was then kind of adopted by, you know, the Christians and that kind of stuff. And before Christmas was Christmas, you know, it was a celebration of the winter solstice. And it was this celebration, this, this end of the harvest and the beginning of, you know, this cold winter and the, the shortest day of the year and that kind of stuff. And it was a celebration. It was something something like the, the difference of the two and so the, the the beer that you would use to celebrate was packed full of these fresh spices and these things that you had been growing and it was the, you know you put a little more malt in there because it's you know a little bit more festive and so I, I to me it was just this this bigger version of things that you do you know something bigger and something a little little fancier I guess something a little um I don't know, something a little weirder, <laughs> I guess, to put it into context here, you know, just something a little bit, a little bit different and a little bit that kind of makes you take a step back and be like, oh, that's, that's not something that I've, I've tried any other time of the year, you know, if it, to me, I guess that's, that's where I'm kind of falling in line with it, so I'm going to send a letter to the BJCP and say, you just need to put, you know, 
something like that into your style guidelines. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. <laughs> I, and and you know, I agree with you in like the very traditional sense. And then, as far as what Christmas or holiday beers are to us, it's it's taking any sort of holiday concept and extrapolating that out to beer. Well, so that's that's fun too. You know, you talk about you know the story behind the orange and the stocking, and to to have a beer that somehow captures that and Christmas pickle, although. I don't know that there's actually a real story that goes along with that. I think it was a marketing thing at some point, but there is tradition that goes behind the Christmas pickle. You know, we hang one on our tree every year, and it's, you know, it, there's, a, there's a story behind that beer. You know, you drink a pickle goza, and it says nothing about Christmas unless it says everything about Christmas, you know? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's really hard to put into words, but... Yeah, and, and you know, like the, the Krampus is a very perfect example that... It needs to be somewhat offensive to people, so because that's what Krampus is that's as a right. character. Krampus makes kids cry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's gonna this be this beer would make kids cry. <laughs> this uh, beer, this beer would make my wife cry. I think it's. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Krampus would too. She's not very good. She's bad. Um, what else do we need to talk about with you guys? We can release. Yeah, yeah, that happened. Um, that's kind of a big thing going on with you guys right now. Uh, my fridge is stocked right now. I was, we were brewing yesterday out in the rain, and I was putting back a couple slide rolls and a couple uh, fins. And um, you guys have a bunch of events kind of going on this week too. If people get on and they can see some of the stuff happening around town, and um, I know I, I saw one today that was going on at Del High Liquor, that little place over there that's kind of grown exponentially in the last couple years, and and doing some big stuff so cans go out this week to retailers exactly yep yep probably up today. all over town so you pretty much if you have a nice beer store near you there will probably be there and if they're not start yelling and um, send a tweet out to, to Cavalier and tell them to get on it yeah no I mean it's really exciting it's really ne the next step for us so to speak so um, you know we've been operating for going on 19 months is a draft only brewery and it's just really gratifying to get our first package offering out there and kind of spread the word so to speak there's not a lot of people that necessarily get get a chance to maybe go out to as many bars as i do or get to go to as many breweries as you do so they might not have tried much of any of our beer except that occasional festivals here and there well the thing about a beer like you know i look at finn and it's one of those beers that is amazing it is sitting here in the tap room like it's that's nothing compared to what it's going to be like this summer sitting by the pool and cracking open a can and sitting, you know, drinking it in the swimming pool. You know, I think like experience is a lot of what makes beer what it is. You know, it's not necessarily just the liquid in the glass and being able to take those beers into new experiences and new situations and um, does change the, the beer itself. So I think that, you know, again, especially a beer like Finn to me is going to you know, completely explode into something very different. Not that it's not getting its due already, but I mean, it's it, you know, it, it's going to be do big things. I think for for you guys, and um, I'm really excited to see what happens when bottles start rolling out. <laughs> I know we are uh, we are very 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 close. If um, if you're one of our Explorer Club members, you kind of you got a note here recently and. We've waited to make any public announcements, but uh, 
bottles are on their way. Um, some things have already made it into bottles and are already conditioning. So it's just a matter of time of uh, carbonation. Right. So, and um, in addition for some other beers, waiting on some label approvals to come back from the wonderful I, government. I may have seen one come through for a certain uh, racehorse-inspired beer. And, there, uh, there may have been. <laughs> there may have been. It's, it's uh, yeah, you, you know, you can only keep certain things quiet for so long. <laughs> and, and once, uh, once you get the okay on those labels, that's about as long as you can keep it um, perfectly quiet. Some of us have big mouths when we see things roll through, and we uh, we like to share them. So, um, is that scary to think about? You know, this this whole other side of things changing. You know, it's not that you guys haven't been sending beer out your door to to retailers on on draft and things like that, but to separate from this nice little safe place down here in your in your basement of the the tap room, and like you know, being able to see you know, where that beer is going and the people drinking and talking to people, like to think of cans and bottles, you know, spreading out even further and people taking them, you know, here and taking them there. Like, is that like a, it seems overwhelming to me to think about. Well, you know, I think, I think as brewers, you think in terms of how your product's going to be represented to people. And there's a, there's kind of a notion that your best representation is probably going to be on draft just because you're going to have some bar staff that's usually more educated um, than some, some bottle shops. But I don't know, the way things are trending today with as rotation heavy as a lot of bars have become and how part-time most staff is at bars, right. it, it's very, very difficult for um, bartenders to really keep up in my opinion, um, I see it. I see it all the time. Whereas, you know, we're talking about beers that Finn, that's going to be year round, and then Slide Roll, which is going to be a three month run. Oh, we got to talk about that too. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, but there's uh, you know, there's excellent bottle shops <coughs> that they have dedicated employees working there 40 hours a week, and they know their beers. And right. you can get maybe even better representation from some of those people because these are the like the beer nerds like to the nth degree like they just they hang out in these bottle shops and they know they know more about beers coming out than i even do being in the industry anymore it's pretty impressive right well it's that's almost the scary side of it to me though is that you're now putting your beer in a and again it depends on on where it's going but you put it into one of these retailers that has God knows how many cans sitting on their shelf of new things, exciting things. You know, it, it it it's so easy to get lost in that shuffle. Not not that I think you guys are easy to lose in a shuffle, but I don't know that that fear is 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 very real to me to see. You know, breweries kind of survive on either getting so big that they have some kind of flagship that carries that brand by itself or constantly pounding out the newest thing and the, 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 the that, that trendy thing, be it a Northeast IPA or a, a sour or what, whatever that thing is that people are, are, are biting on at that moment. Is that... Well, I get what you're saying. Um, the, I think the difference, though, uh, so if you look at, like, um, the package versus draft 
um, kind of sort of subjects. And if you're worried about package getting lost on the shelves, there's also a concern of draft getting lost at the beer buyer level. So right. it's it, most consumers don't ever see it, but you know we have beer buyers that are making the decisions for what you drink, um, whether you like it or not. I mean, you can definitely voice your disapproval if you don't like the tap list. You can ask for things to be um, brought in, but you know if somebody's going out to a place and they're intending to get a drink, they're going to get something. You know, they're not. Most people are not going to just say, "I'm not going to drink anything here," or "I'm going to leave and go somewhere else," just because they don't have this one specific beer. Right. That's usually not the case. So, you know, we have we have a sales force, um, which helps with that education and kind of constantly stay in contact. And really, it's just like in other bars and restaurants where the people working there are really your best advocates. So, if you kind of stay in contact with them and you know, they have that relationship with you, they're more likely going to eventually recommend your beer to somebody that's, you know, looking for something. Right. Let's take another quick break. Um, I want to talk about other things that might be coming down the line as far as canned releases. Um, since you've got this seasonal Goza in a can right now, it, you know, s- sparks my interest of what might come in the spring and things like that. So let's, let's talk about that, and um, we'll be right back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Ah, there it is. The holy grail of Christmas gifts, the Red Rider 200-shot range model air rifle. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey, everybody. We're brought to you by Brewer's Buddy, your best friend in brewing. Brewer's Buddy is the latest homebrewing system on the market. It's a patent-pending, gravity-fed, beer homebrewing platform made affordable for anyone who loves the craft of brewing beer. It's versatile, durable, affordable, and it's safe. You can follow them at Brewer's Buddy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can find out more about them at brewersbuddy.com. Make sure you order now at www.brewersbuddy.com. Brewer's Buddy, your best friend in brewing. I'm going to tell you about the new apparel supplier to Cincy Brewcast, Pastura Screen Print. Mario Pastura has built his family business with the craft beer movement in mind. They've done custom items for Old Firehouse, Listerman, and many more. Screen printing to embroidery, Pastura Screen Print has the answers for your custom apparel and marketing needs. Contact Mario or any of the pros at Pastura Screen Print at 513-550-2271 by email at pastura.screenprint at gmail.com and coming soon at www.pasturascreenprint.com. The craft of custom apparel is Pastura Screen Print. 
Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh my god! Santa here? I know him. I know him. You are listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Does someone need a hug? We're back. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. We are now joined also by Brett Coleman Baker. Hey, oh. <laughs> So Comes in hot and heavy. You missed the entire Christmas beer discussion. Now we're talking about what's coming in the future in cans because I really want to get me some pinwheel in cans. And I need to know if there's a chance, just need a chance, that that might happen for me in the spring. I mean, if you're, if you're watching um, label approvals, I'm sure you'll see something come through. <laughs> all right, that's all I need. So the... Is, is that kind of going to be the, the idea for a while here? You've got some core stuff that's going to be year-round sitting there, and then you've got the, 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 the gozas are going to be the rotating kind of seasonal thing that's changing on shelves? Yeah, that, that'll be the start for cans. So we'll start with um, Finn, of course, and Slide Rule, and then from there we'll be going into Pin Roll, Key Punch, and Chariot uh, to round that out. Um, there's talks of a, a third can potential uh, in 2017 we haven't nailed down what that is exactly yet uh, but a lot of that depends too on fermentation capacity and expansion plans so the well, 2017 is a everybody be a start year. shouting out on twitter and telling them what you want in cans <laughs> yeah let us know <laughs> tell, tell, i think i think i can't imagine that it's not going to be uh key punch is the uh, probably the 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 crowd pleaser i think as far as uh that's the, we don't say that word in the brewery anymore. The key punch. It's just <laughs> that beer is so much work. work. It is just insane. Is yeah. that the, is that the worst one to do? So anybody who doesn't oh, yeah. actually know, you guys use all fresh fruit. All everything you do is is the real version. So if if there's pineapple in a beer, you guys are sitting there cutting up pineapples before you make the beer, which. A lot of people say it's stupid. A lot of people say it's sure way it more work than you need to do. But <laughs> it tastes better though. It, it it makes a big difference, and uh, I I you know I, I applaud you guys for for sticking to your guns on that and not doing it the easy way and not sacrificing for it. But you bring up a beer like Key Punch, and it's a pain to make. Oh, it is. It's the citrus is difficult from the standpoint that. We, you need to make sure things are pasteurized and clean going into the beer. We don't want to chemically sanitize anything because that potentially can mess up the yeast or make them spit off, off flavors or just leave a whole bunch of unfermentable sugar in the beer. So if you use heat, which is our preferred method, uh, you can't cook citrus because then it starts tasting like cleaning chemicals. So we've found this like flash pasteurization technique where we basically get boiling hot water, dump it on a small amount of key limes that we've sliced is pa basically paper thin and then immediately toss them into the fermenter. So <laughs> it has like 45 to 45 second to maybe three minute contact time before it goes, we start working it into the tank, but we found that to be successful and in prevent infection, but also uh, retain flavor without it becoming cleaner. That sounds like a really sweaty, exhausting job. Oh <laughs> so guys, yeah. Yeah, just <laughs> for sure. Just it just it's sweat everywhere and just sugar and juices. 
And the worst thing is, like, you can't even eat key limes. Like, you can, but no one's going to sit there and eat 20 key limes. <laughs> it's like, not like the pineapple days where you no, get to... No, or, or the blueberries, where we went, uh, we did blueberries the day before we went to Ohio Beer Week, and it, it makes a stark impact on the way you start your day, if you get what I'm saying. The, the color change is phenomenal. Oh, well, you know, Brett complains about all that, but his dogs love him when he comes home a day. It's all salty and sweet and just covered in citrus. So... You guys kind of inspired me to do a new segment on the show, which I don't have a fun sound clip for, but I will when this oh, goes to, uh, to air. So if anybody has watches late night TV, I don't know which one it is that doesn't know if it's Kimmel or, or one of those Kimmel. guys does celebrities reading mean tweets. Well, the, 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 ab- the thing that I've seen a lot of brewers kind of hate is um, untapped. And the untapped reviews. I think so, it's, a, it's a love hate. Um, if you guys have any of your favorites, feel free to add them on here. Um, I have a nice list though for you, <laughs> and I highlighted some of my favorites. If you want to. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. This, so kinda, we've been keeping a list for for a while. Oh, now. have you? Um, well, I'm sure you're familiar with a couple of these then. <laughs> well, Brett, you, Brett's been uh, saving a few for just this uh, this <laughs> opportune moment. So I'll let him start, and I'll read from uh, the gnomes list as well. So. Our long-term goal is to pick our favorites and paint them onto the walls of oh, the brewery that's awesome. with the person's name. So if they ever come to visit, we'll see that little we, character. We of think them about them. <laughs> um, so I like this one. I just don't get the whole Goza thing. I'd rather have a sour. That's from uh, Ryan Barba. Thank you, Ryan. A lot of these are funny to me for different reasons. There's some that are just really mean in the way they word stuff, and then there's some that it's. It just it blows your mind because you can't understand how they don't understand what they're saying. Which, yes, uh, exactly. I think there's a couple of those on there. So, so, so he's got one here of one of our weirdest beers that we've ever done, and a spar- asparagus garlic lemon clothesline. Uh, and the the <laughs> one the review says smells like an old bologna sandwich, tastes like asparagus, garlic, and lemon. So spot on. And oh, he ends with odd, but I like it. Three seven five. <laughs> Which actually is probably one of the better reviews it's from that nice beer ever. It's a nice review, yeah. but just comparing it to an old bologna sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, but here, here's, here's the one that uh, it, it always gets me. This is for the Pickle Goza last year. <laughs> Tastes like pickle. Unfortunately, I really don't like pickle. One and a half stars. <laughs> <laughs> Smells like a dirty sock. Tastes like soap. <laughs> Here's a, these 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 would be so much more offensive if like we actually were putting out beer that tasted like that. But it's just so beautiful, just what people taste sometimes. Right. Straight up, what a community ashtray would taste like. Slide roll. <laughs> uh, th- this one's a little longer, but this was uh, about Kicksled, our winter spice stout. It's different. I don't think of it as a stout. Maybe a sour that wants to be a stout when it grows up. I don't know what the hell that means. Sours suck. <laughs> you suck, Austin M. <laughs> uh, so for uh, Milkman, which is our breakfast stout, tastes too much like milk. <laughs> I think you actually replied to that one, too, with a, what? <laughs> it's hard not to get sassy on Untapped. <laughs> um, too much tropical fruit. 
phrenology. <laughs> There's no fruit in that beer, by the way. This could be one of the worst beers I've had. Tastes like rotten Granny Smith apples crossed with a Sour Patch Kid. That sounds delicious. <laughs> I like the one for Caramel Slide Roll. That's a very recent one. Strong sense of caramel. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half stars. Yep. <laughs> well, no shit, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes like a condiment. Matthew Cutter. Slide roll. <laughs> it's always funny because we try to be as explicit as possible to people with our beers and describing them so that people are prepared know what to pick and what not to pick. So when you order a beer that's called Pickle Goza... It might taste like pickles. <laughs> yeah, you might expect to taste a little pickle. There might be a hair on the pickly side. The best are the people who assume, and they assume wrong, and it's just so much fun as a brewer to read that. And I bet they, they're dead serious about it, too. Like, this guy here, uh, David Mincer. Berliner Weiss on the label, but there's way too much wheat in this one. Not well-crafted. About Finn. Well, there's no wheat in Finn there, David, so and I don't know what you're Berliner tasting. <laughs> uh, here's a good one for Maze. Not good after the super flavorful quad I had. Probably better had I had it first. <laughs> That's just an example of kind of the silliness that you run into. So, Untapped has a very important place in craft beer. You know, crowd rating things has to be useful to a lot of people but at the same time for God's sake just understand what you're writing and why you're writing it and what are you trying to actually do when you put that out there And it's, um, it's a very personal thing too I, I don't like a lot of people either like actually review it like they're trying to review it on Untapped or they just keep a log of like right. I want to do this or I don't want to do this again or, or how, do, how do you usually treat uh, Untapped? Um, it's a little bit of both for me now. You know, I don't I don't rate things anymore, um, but I'll put a quick description of what I thought about the beer. But it's it's more of here's what I tasted, here's what I felt, here's what I experienced. Not is this what I like or what I don't like? Because who really cares what I like or don't like? <laughs> you want to know? Do I want to drink this beer? Yeah. And so I want to try to give people an idea of what it tasted like. Now, some nights I'm just literally checking it in and saying, I drank this, and I know I drank it, and that's all it is. So it's kind of both for me, but the whole rating thing is just it. it what's the point? Who cares? Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, you know, I, I don't know if you want to know what I think about an asparagus, garlic, lemon clothesline. I, I, <laughs> I don't think I have that beer, but I, it doesn't sound like something I would rate a five. <laughs> You're not, you're not alone in that. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess to each their own with Brevalone. Yeah, that's how it goes. Take the good with the bad. Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm really excited since we've been open 20 months now or so, um, draft only. I'm really excited to see how perceptions for certain beers change when you have the package. Because you get a much more intimate exposure to that to that specific beer because you can read about the different flavors in it you can read what it is and it's really going to be a fun kind of uh i guess experiment or, or fun thing to watch is see right. if these how these things change how reviews change and whatnot and how that impacts 
Right. It, it definitely puts it in a different light, and especially, you know, we, we talked a little earlier about the experience of drinking a beer and where you are and what you're doing with it is going to change immensely with it being in a can versus bringing home a growler or howler or whatever it may be. Absolutely. Um, so it's, it'll be fun to watch for you guys and fun to see how it changes what goes on here and see if you guys get a little less weird, a little more mainstream. I doubt it. <laughs> maybe, maybe you guys rebel against it and become even weirder and who knows. <laughs> Did you guys touch on uh, fun bottle stuff we got coming out soon too? Uh, we, we kind of hinted at a few things and said uh, there were bottles starting to roll out. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got some fun stuff coming. We got, we're bottling up uh, one of our best received beers of 2016 tomorrow. Uh, for release um, early 17, so very excited about that. Got some stuff in bottles ready to go. It's um, it's like I, I think we talked about it a lot at Cappy's 2017 Year of Urban Artifact. Year of Urban Artifact. I think that's it's what coming. we titled the show actually. It um, I think that it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun for a lot of people that maybe don't know what you guys are doing here and don't really understand the whole soured wild thing and don't get what that is to to maybe be at a party and somebody has some beer, you know, have one of their friends who has some in their fridge or something that, you know, kind of forces some people to try some stuff that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise and kind of turn them on to what this whole thing is. I mean, if you're if you're a pale ale fan, don't let the fact that Finn is a little bit tart turn you off. It is bright and citrusy and, and fruity and I mean it to me it's satisfies all those same urges that a good IPA would without being an IPA. You know, it's it's that 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 other side, you know, that that that, that tartness is the bitterness of an IPA. Like, exactly. Does that make sense? Exactly that exactly makes sense. That that's how you balance the sweetness of the malts either with acidity or bitterness. And we, we choose to do a little bit of both in that one. But I know a lot of, you know guys that that are these big IPA drinkers, that's all I drink is IPAs and I see them every day and I'm sorry if you pick this tart beer up and it's you know a fancy little yellow can, you might really like this beer. So where do you think those big macho IPA drinkers were like 15 years ago too? Probably not into IPAs. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a process. It is. We, um, we, we I just... have to give you guys a shout out too for your can design. It's freaking brilliant, and we we talked about it a lot yesterday when we were um, outside brewing and. It hits every base that you need a can to hit, just looking at it in lots of different ways. And it's it's brilliant design. And I think anybody who is looking to design their, their packaging needs to, to kind of look at them and see how you guys did things and how you wrapped up the story of a beer in not a lot of words, too. And I, I, I like that. I don't need a big, long, giant story. I just want to know the beer, and I want to know that personality. And you guys, you guys nailed it. So thank you. Hats off thank to you, you guys. Yeah, Scott Hand did a fantastic, fantastic job on that. It was wonderful. So. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for coming yeah. out. I'm, I'm glad you made it, Brett. <laughs> yes, just in time. <laughs> you you missed the entire awkward beginning of us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, good. Uh, I guess well, I'm glad. What are we going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> so. Next week, I have no idea what we're doing for a show. I don't think I have anything booked, but it'll be good. So. We might be sitting back here in a dark room talking to ourselves. That's right. No, no matter where I am, I'll probably be in a dark room talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of kind of the way I do things. So, 
Um, tune in next week. We got Street Side in a couple weeks, and um, I don't know, all kinds of fun stuff. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Cheers.